Hey everybody, it's Nick Hausman. Before we get to this House of Wrestling on Inside the Ropes exclusive interview with Kevin Sullivan, I just wanted to preface something real quickly. Now, this interview was recorded before episode one of Kevin's Tuesdays with the Taskmaster series debuted on ad-free shows. Now, if you've been listening to the show, you know that Conrad Thompson serves as the co-host for that show. Well, that was not always the case, as this interview was recorded a couple days before the first episode was recorded, and at the time, the plan was to have Marcus D'Angelo co-hosting the show. Now, Conrad wound up co-hosting it, no harm, no foul, but Marcus was included in this interview that I have here. Now, it's largely me and Kevin talking. Marcus does jump in from time to time, but I just didn't want anyone to get confused about what is going on in this particular piece of audio. So, without further ado, please enjoy this wonderful conversation that I had with Kevin Sullivan and Marcus D'Angelo. Welcome to this House of Wrestling on Inside the Ropes exclusive interview. It is me, Nick Hausman, and at this time, I am joined by the two men we're going to be behind Tuesdays with the Taskmaster on ad-free shows. It is Marcus D'Angelo and the legend, Kevin the Taskmaster Sullivan. Kevin, Marcus, thank you guys so much for taking the time today. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, appreciate you uh, having us here. Uh, looking forward to uh, getting this thing off the ground. Oh, me as well. I, you know, it's very exciting. Kevin, you have such a robust uh, career, and I know that you're still out there making appearances and uh, things like that. From your perspective, what what aspect of your career, what part of your career do you find that fans are most interested in hearing you talk about? Probably the Florida time with Dusty. Yeah. 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 What a, what a, more would be with Hogan and WCW. <laughs> yeah, because I was that's that's more my era, Kevin. Is like when I think about you, I think about WCW, I think about Hogan, and truthfully. One of the one of those memorable matches of all time for me was the Doomsday Triple Cage match from Uncensored, nineteen ninety six. Um, I just I thought it was great. Anyway, we'll get to that here in a little while. But uh, Marcus, talk talk to me a little about uh, what we can expect here. Is it going to be retrospectives, t- new product? What are you guys going to be chatting about here on Tuesdays with the Taskmaster? It's going to be a little bit of everything, but really more than anything, we want to serve our audience over at adfreeshows.com. This this podcast is going to be an ad-free shows exclusive podcast. Uh, it's going to be coming out, of course, every Tuesday. It's Tuesday with the Taskmaster, and uh, we're treating it like a mailbag series where we're going to allow members to ask Kevin questions. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw him softballs. He's gonna hit home runs, and uh, and that's that's kind of the whole plan. That being said, you know, a, a big part of what Kevin and I want to do is talk about some little known facts when it comes to wrestling history kevin has got an insane amount of knowledge over the course of his god it's got to be near 50 years worth of experience yes and uh and yeah so he's got a lot of stories to tell a lot of really cool insight that not a lot of people know about and you're going to get that and a lot more on tuesday with the taskmaster so kevin what what convinced you to be a part of this project and come to ad free shows and work with marcus on this well i was lucky enough to meet Conrad a few years ago. Then I uh, went to uh, his thing in Huntsville, Alabama for his Patreon subscribers. And Marcus was nice enough to, as he was taking me about back to the airport, he said, we probably would like to have you aboard. Would you like to be on? I said, yes, absolutely. You know, it's a premier podcasting platform in the United States or in the world. Sure. 
Sure. And you were part of, uh, I think you're referencing Top Guy Weekend here. It was not long ago. I saw that you were getting to interact with some of the ad free shows, super fans. Uh, how was that experience, man? I can imagine that when you were breaking in in the early 70s, something like that would have never, ever happened before. Well, here's the thing. It would never would have happened back then. But if you don't evolve, you end up in a museum as a bag of bones. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> if you don't evolve, you know, you're left behind. And I can tell you this, that when I first started, I, the generation before me was saying, Oh, they're going to kill the business with those high spots. <laughs> so do you roll your eyes now when you hear some of your contemporaries criticizing the, the product? I mean, there seems to be a certain genre of uh, punditry that, that goes in that regard these days. I would love to have been on all those houses that were sold out, hanging from the rafters, <laughs> turning them away. God, I mean... I missed all of them, I think. It's, it's like this. Nostalgia is a funny thing. Yeah. Well, and you you really worked a lot, you know, they call it sports entertainment today, but you worked a lot of that kind of storytelling stuff into your into your presentation, uh, you know, pretty early on. Where did you feel like you were kind of a bit of the head of the curve when it came to kind of bringing that that style of presentation into into professional wrestling? I don't know if I actually thought I was, but I figured that that had to be the way to go. Look at, I've been around for a long time, right? Sure. I think the bloodline's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Okay. Tell me about it. I, I'm, I'm interested. I wasn't, I wasn't sure if we were going to get into modern stuff, but I'm all about it. Please talk to me about the bloodline. Okay. They went to Madison square garden last week, right? Yes. Their segment was 30 minutes 25 minutes, right? It was, I think it went 40. It went past okay. the, it went 40. into the third quarter. Yeah. Okay. How many drop kicks did you see during that match? There was no match. No. 40 minutes of entertaining things. It was just talking. But they had built that story from day one. They didn't rush it. And here's the thing. <clears throat> I was involved in the NWO. When we were doing it, we were smashing the baby faces and killing them to get the NWO over, right? We made the NWO stronger than WCW. Mm -hmm. Roman, during this purge of terror that he's been on, has made Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Cody, you know, you could go down the line. There's uh, Jay and Jimmy. Right. I mean, there's a whole list that he's made baby faces while they've been the center of attention. It's pretty amazing to me. Do you do you think it's arguably one of the greatest pro wrestling stories that's ever been told? I think it maybe be the best. The I you know, and it's it means a lot more coming from you than me. But it is something where you, I mean. Marcus, I see you uh, on the uh, hook right here right now. As a current wrestling fan, I'm sure you feel like, I, I don't know, is it weird to you to think that you're watching like one of the greatest stories of all time play out? 
You know, it's I, I think that everybody tends to think that, oh, that era that I grew up watching, that's the best era. You know, so I grew up watching uh, Kevin's NWO creative and thinking, well, it's this is the peak. It's just never going to get better than this. But after a while, it's kind of like Tom Brady. You know, that he he has enough W's that after a while you're like, you know what? I can't deny it anymore. It's, yeah. it's, it's and that's that's how I feel about this bloodline storyline. It is honestly it truly is the greatest storyline probably in wrestling history. Man, uh, so talking about the NWO here and the comparisons with the Bloodline, you know, what do you think the NWO could have done differently? Like that could have been learned from what the Bloodline's doing here to help that story kind of uh, continue on or find some kind of conclusion? Because infamously, the NWO just kind of stopped existing after a while, and we didn't really get a satisfying into it. The Bloodline has done this; they've kept it within their family. Yeah. We were starting to throw T-shirts at guys that think they were going to get over with a T-shirt. <laughs> sure. You know, we had what we went from when it was Hogan, Nash, Hall, and Six. That's all it should have been, and maybe Steiner. Yeah. We were throwing T-shirts to everybody, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. we had, you know, the black and white and the, uh, the wolf pack. I mean, we. Kind of to everybody. I expected the milkman to show up in the morning. <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure NWO milkman would have gotten over. I'm pretty sure we'd still be talking about NWO milkman today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it, I brought up the Doomsday Cage match, and I was looking back because, like, dude, I don't know why. Like, I remember watching it live. I remember like Zeus like grinding lettuce into the side of the cage. I think as you were like screaming during the pre-show or something like that. Yeah. Um. It, I, it's just it's it's such a spectacle that it's resonated with me. But obviously, not long after that, the NWO stuff happened. As you're sitting there in this like terrifyingly unsafe cage, in this like weird thing that like doesn't make any sense, are you saying to yourself, "We need to kind of change the business we're doing here. We need to change the direction of of what we're doing at WCW." Absolutely, I knew that from the for a long time. I knew that when they started booing Hogan. Yeah. As a babyface. When do you think that started? When do you feel like the the turn of Hogan as a as a heel really kind of began? When I knew I had him enough bullets in my gun that I could go to him and say, "You have to turn heel." It was in a night in Chicago when he came out. He had been dressed in all in black. He had a black crucifix around his neck. He had a black headband. But when he came down to do his interviews, the whole building. Booed him. And this is how great Gene Oakland was. Gene said, you can hear the somber night as the people are right behind Hulk telling him what's going on. <laughs> and I thought, whoa. So I went to him and I said, you got to turn. And, you know, the famous thing is the night before he turned, I made him stay at my house because I lived a mile from the ocean center where he made the turn. Right. Came with his agent. I had a three-bedroom house at the time on the beach, and <coughs> I let Hulk have a bedroom. I didn't let the agent. I made him sleep on the couch, and I he was there for the last minutes trying to turn him his mind around that he would be not turn heel and be a babyface. And I've heard things about. Well, it could have been Sting and it could have been uh, Big Mo or whoever. It was either Hogan. They weren't having a finish. 
Really? We didn't leave my house. We, I was an hour, uh, a mile from the ocean, said a mile and a half, until the first match was in the ring. I was making sure he wasn't going to back out. I was making sure no one would get to him. <laughs> How confident were you that he was going to go through with it? Until I got him in the car, it was 50-50. Damn, that's crazy, man. Butterfly yeah. effect kind of stuff yeah. right there, you know? Yeah. Um, I wanted to get your take as well. Um, another uh, infamous uh, person you worked with the business was uh, Brian Pillman. Brian Pillman Jr. just came out word that he's no longer with AEW for whatever reason. I believe you had a chance to work with Pillman Jr. Uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, I just want to know what your experiences were like uh, with him, but we can talk about his dad here just a little bit. But like, what was your experiences like working with Pillman Jr.? And, and do you feel like he got a, a fair shake over in AEW? Well, when I worked with Brian, I hadn't worked in like, it was the last match I ever had, and I probably hadn't had a match in four years or five years before I worked with Brian. I think that was four years ago. It was, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so I just did it because of who he is and what his dad meant to me, you know. And I, it was up in Vancouver, so it wasn't far from me. And uh, he has a lot of his father's ability. He looks a lot like his dad. Uh, I think if he got shortchanged, I don't know the, what's going on in AEW. Uh, I know that he has a plenty of talent. I can't understand with his background and who he was, how you can't kind of make him loose cannon part two without... Sure without bastardizing the gimmick with bringing it up to date. You know, we just talked about you can't go in the past. You can, can't go in the past, but you can take things from the past. You can't make it exactly alike, but you can follow up the pathway to, to getting get people over from what you've seen in the past. Yeah, I mean, they say history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and it, uh, it is interesting as you're kind of laying this out, and I'm one of those people that my brain's all over the place. It's a uh, wild to think about Brian Pillman Jr. leaving AEW and then maybe showing up somewhere else more in that loose cannon vein because that's very much like what his dad did, right? I mean, you were there, right? I respect you, Booker Man. You know the launch of the loose cannon, but he left the company not long after that, and you guys right. didn't get to capitalize on it. You know, yeah, and I always say that when we lost Brian Pillman, not only did we lose a great person and a great performer, we lost a mind that would have been the best booker of all times, I believe. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> he just saw way out of the box. I mean, way out of the box. Excuse me. Did you ever hear the story when he was going to go down uh, on the fifty-yard line during the Super Bowl when the Cincinnati Bengals were there? I, I've I've heard of it, but please tell everyone, Kevin, that has not heard this story before. Yes, as they were going marching downfield, Brian was going to have a press pass because he played with them before, and he wanted to run across the field with chains. And stripped naked and chained himself to the goalpost. 
I mean, he would have spent probably three months in the looty bin, but it would have been worth it. I mean, he would have made so much money. Today, I think these days they just call that making a TikTok. I, I don't, I don't, I think that, I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think Brian Pillman just understood social media on a level where it didn't, before it even existed. Um, I got to ask when he's, when he says, I respect you, Booker, man, what was your, what was your reaction to that, Kevin? Well, you know, we call each other every night. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I, I just listen to him. You know, I don't. I'd like to say I contributed a lot in that angle. I didn't contribute hardly anything uh, because he was so focused in on where he was going. And I, I didn't want to uh, go to a Picasso and say, you know, maybe you should have used a slightly uh, sharper orange on that end of the painting. Right. I mean, he was painting off the charts. Um, it's interesting though. I was just writing up a, a piece about this new authorized Andy Kaufman documentary they're going to be making. And as you're talking about working with Brian, it's very easy for me to see like Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman conversations late at night hidden from that. I don't know if, uh, Andy, Andy's work and Jerry's work had kind of any influence on, on you and Brian and the way you guys handled the, uh, the real, I mean, I guess the work shoot kind of aspect of, of what you guys were doing. I, maybe something uh, subliminally snuck into our heads, but we were, Brian was so focused on what he was doing, I just let him go with whatever he wanted. Yeah. You know, maybe uh, in the ring I might have done, well, let's do this instead of that, but that was not the way. He, he caught lightning in a bottle and I... I let him run with it and said, thank you. Man. Um, well, we talked about Brian leaving AEW. Uh, we talked a little bit about, you like, really like the bloodline. What do you think of the uh, AEW product at the moment, Kevin? Well, I like the product uh, a lot, but and it gives you another place to go. It gives you a different flavor. But I sometimes don't see somebody I like, and then I won't see them on TV for a month. Sure. Do you think they got too many guys and until they get their shows solidified and decide who's going to be on what show? I mean, they're working through it right now. You know, I, I've definitely heard from more talent there that, you know, they're proudly like a dynamite or collision guy. I mean, it's not just something where they're getting broken apart. Like, it seems like there's actual rosters being formed by people who genuinely work enjoy working with each other and we have seen more names like Miro and Thunder Rosa and Punk obviously back in the mix so I'm with you I hope that we get to see more of these talents that we haven't had a chance to see I do too I mean there's some I mean the difference is okay you like vanilla ice cream so are you going to eat vanilla ice cream every day for the rest of your life or maybe would you like a cheesecake you know, mm. got to get a different flavor and a different taste. Sure. And I think they're doing Here's the other thing is, I think they're doing a hell of a job for the short time they've been around. Yeah, for sure. A lot of people and, usually forget it's only been like four years, yeah. Yeah, and they've been hit with, I think, is the greatest angle of all times, the bloodline, and they still are holding on, you know, 
Right. And when I say hold it on, I don't mean just hold it on. There seemed to be a positive move. They got a, a group of fans that are very much their own. And now they just got to grab some casual fans. Yeah. You, you, you keep going back to the bloodline, which is great, because I'd like to ask you how you would like to see this thing kind of come to a close. I mean, is it is it do you want to see it keep going Bruno San Martino style for like five more years with Roman on top? Or do you see a logical person to take this title off of Roman and kind of spin him off into something else? Who would you have? Roman lose to. Here's the thing. Okay, I'm asking you. I love how you put it back at me, but I'm asking you. Let me throw it at you this way. Okay. I always thought Sami Zayn was very good, but when he was with the bloodline, just little things when he was talking to them and the way he rubbed his hands or, hey, I'm a very influential guy in the dressing room. I mean, I really bought into him, Okay. Then when he goes and wrestles Roman in Montreal, I do they sing for 20 minutes or whatever as he's coming out? Should he have beaten Roman? I, I, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. As great as I think Sammy is, could he have done 40 minutes non-wrestling talking? And Madison Square Garden? Right place, right time, right? I don't want to undersell Sami Zayn. I'm a big Sami Zayn fan. No, I don't yeah. either. I became a huge Sami Zayn. I mean, I'm really, I mean, that day he wrestled Roman, I would have easily bought that he beat Roman. But what do you do the next day? And what do you do, <coughs> what, three or four months later that you go to Madison Square Garden and don't throw a wrestling hold on for 45 minutes and the ratings go up? Yeah. So you're saying it sounds to me like you're you don't see someone around right now that should dethrone Roman. You 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 seem to just say keep keep doing keep going following this rabbit hole. Here's what I say. Okay. It isn't that I don't see anybody there. I see about six or seven guys that would make sense. But you get to wake up a month from now and say, did we do the right thing? It's very hard. I mean, I just read that their their merchandise is the number one merchandise. Right. They're supposed to be heels, right? You would think. Okay. <laughs> yeah. MJF now, sells a lot of merchandise too, and I'm told he's a yeah. heel. So. Yeah, but this guy, they got a lot of flack when Cody didn't win the title, right? Right. Mm -hmm. But he's the number one merchandise seller. Uh, you got to look at a lot of aspects before you pull this trigger. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. There it is, everybody. All right. Hey, I want to thank you both for taking some time here today. Marcus, when, where can people go find Tuesdays with the Taskmaster? You guys have got to go to adfreeshows.com, uh, become a member over there. It is dropping exclusively there. I know that a lot of folks have asked if it's going to be hitting all podcast platforms. And no, it is not, at least not yet. It, it is going to be available exclusively on adfreeshows.com. And as we heard here, I mean, this is the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Kevin Sullivan, the, the tip of the tip of the iceberg. You know, this man has got so many years of experience 
from the early days of Jake Roberts in Florida, from legitimately convincing people that he was Satan in Florida uh, to the work that he did as a booker. I mean, this man has got stories for days and we are going to be telling some really fun ones over there. So look, if you're if you're a fan of wrestling, you should be on adfreeshows.com as it is. But man, it's there's never been a better time to come and be part of the family and uh, witness Tuesdays or Tuesday with the Taskmaster.